Hello, this is Diksha from Newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Saturday, the 26th of June. India recorded more than 48,000 cases of COVID-19 and over 1,100 deaths in the last 24 hours. The country's total COVID tally has crossed 3 crore, while the official death toll now stands at 3,94,000. These figures are believed to be vast undercounts. While infections are on decline, the centre said yesterday that the second wave of the pandemic was not over yet. As many as 75 districts still have more than 10% prevalence of COVID cases, while over 92 districts have a 5-10% to prevalence. The Health Ministry said yesterday that 48 cases of the Delta Plus variant of COVID-19 had been detected in the country so far, the maximum of which were reported in Maharashtra. The Delta Plus variant was classified as a variant of concern by the central government on Tuesday. Delta Plus is a mutation of the Delta variant of COVID, which was first detected in India. The first death due to the Delta Plus variant was recorded in Maharashtra yesterday, after which the state government announced tightening of COVID restrictions in the state from Monday. Union Health Secretary Rajesh Bhushan yesterday wrote to the chief secretaries of eight states and union territories to ramp up containment and contact tracing to prevent the spread of the Delta Plus variant. These include Tamil Nadu, Gujarat, Andhra Pradesh, Rajasthan, Karnataka, Punjab, Jammu and Kashmir and Haryana. The Serum Institute of India said that it has started the production of the first batch of the Covovax vaccine, a COVID vaccine developed by the biotechnology company Novavax. The vaccine has shown an overall efficacy of 90.4% in Phase 3 trials. On Monday, June 21st, multiple news channels engaged in celebratory fanfare over India creating a world record by vaccinating 8.6 million people on Yoga Day. While this claim was not grounded in facts, the media channels also failed to point out how states such as Madhya Pradesh had administered significantly low number of vaccines leading up to Yoga Day when it suddenly administered 16.9 lakh doses. They have also failed to question how states were left in the lurch to procure their own vaccines before the Modi government recently reversed its vaccine policy. Watch the latest episode of TV Newsense on newslaundry.com or our YouTube channel where Manisha Pandey shows what some news channels spent their time on this week. Unsurprisingly, these are also the channels receiving ads from the government. You might have noticed recent newspaper and television advertisements thanking Prime Minister Modi for getting vaccines for all Indian citizens, which is technically a part of his job. But these advertisements keep a section of the media running often inhibiting them from critically questioning the government about its policies and decisions. Not us though. Here at News Laundry, we are funded by our subscribers who pay to power our coverage and that is why we have put out multiple reports analysing the central government's vaccine policy and the country's vaccination drive. I'd like to recommend a couple of reports on newslaundry.com regarding this. On June 7, the Prime Minister reversed his own government's national vaccination policy, announcing that the centre would now procure vaccines for all citizens above the age of 18. In his analysis on newslaundry.com, Salil Ahudra pointed out how this was not a magic bullet to rescue India's staggering vaccination drive. His piece is titled, In Charts, How India's COVID Vaccination Drive is Going. While you're on our website, also read Jamni N. Rao's recent opinion piece on the new vaccine policy. It is titled, 
Are the reasons Modi gave for his vaccine policy reversal valid? So listeners, if you want the media to do its job of reporting factually, accurately and in the public interest instead of batting for the powers that be, head over to newslaundry.com today to support independent journalism. Hit that subscribe button on the top right corner. Lowest subscription starts at just 300 rupees a month. The chief of the All India Institute of Medical Science, Dr. Randeep Guleria, said today that it would not be accurate to conclude that Delhi government exaggerated its oxygen demand during the peak of the second wave. Deputy Chief Minister of Delhi, Manish Sisodia, had accused the BJP government of lying about a report which suggests that AAP government inflated the demand for oxygen in the city amid the second wave of the pandemic. Multiple media reports yesterday cited an interim report by a Supreme Court-appointed panel which had Guleria on it, purportedly mentioning that the Delhi government inflated its demand for oxygen by four times. The said report, quoted by Times of India, further said that the supply of excess oxygen to Delhi could have triggered a shortage in 12 other states with high caseloads. It added that there was a gross discrepancy in the oxygen consumption of 1,140 metric tons as claimed by the Delhi government between April 25 and May 10. NDTV cited central government sources, saying that the interim report was prepared by the Supreme Court-appointed audit team headed by AIMS chief Randeep Guleria. The Aam Party, however, said that there was no such report, adding that the claim about exaggerated oxygen demand was a part of malicious and false propaganda. Manish Sisodia said, and I quote, The BJP leaders are lying. No such report exists. We spoke to a number of members of the Supreme Court panel who told us that they have not signed and approved any report. Were those people begging and crying for oxygen lying? Were the hospitals making SOS calls lying? Unquote. Delhi and several other states saw acute shortages of medical oxygen in the second wave of the pandemic, with multiple hospitals in the city being forced to approach courts to ensure they received supplies of medical oxygen to save COVID patients. On April 24, at least 20 COVID patients in Delhi died at a hospital as it ran out of oxygen. On April 30, as many as 12 patients, including a senior doctor, had died at Delhi's Batra Hospital due to an oxygen shortage. Farmers protesting against the central government's farm laws at the borders of Delhi marked seven months of their protest today. The farmers have decided to march towards Delhi from their respective locations. The umbrella body of farmers, Samyukt Kisan Morcha, appealed to protesting farmers across all states to submit memorandums addressed to President Ramnath Kovind to their governors. Farmers have given the slogan Kheti Bachao, Loktantra Bachao for today's protests. Farmer unions said that thousands were on their way to Delhi from Uttar Pradesh's Saharanpur and Sisoli areas. The protest was reportedly led by Bharatiya Kisan Union Chief Rakesh Tiket. Tiket said yesterday, and I quote, Farmers are on the road for seven months, but the dumb and deaf government has not responded to their demands. 10% of the people can't afford to ignore the demand of 90% of the people. Unquote. In light of the protests, three metro stations in Delhi's Yellow Line remained closed for public today between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. Former Maharashtra Home Minister Anil Deshmukh skipped summons sent by the Enforcement Directorate for questioning today in a money laundering case, seeking more time to appear before the agency. Deshmukh's lawyer said that he has submitted an application to the ED asking for documents based on which the former minister is to be questioned. 
ED's summons to Deshmukh came hours after his private secretary Sanjeev Palande and personal assistant Kundan Chinde were arrested in the same case. They were booked under provisions of the Prevention of Money Laundering Act. The two will be produced before a special court today. On Friday, the Enforcement Directorate conducted raids on Deshmukh's Nagpur home as well as the properties of Shinde and Palande. The CBI had filed an FIR in the case in April. A month later, the ED also filed a money laundering case against the NCP leader based on the CBI's FIR. On March 20, former Mumbai Police Commissioner Parambir Singh had accused Deshmukh of extorting money from bars, restaurants and hookah parlors in Mumbai. In a letter to the state's chief minister Uddhav Thackeray, Singh had alleged that suspended police officer Sachin Vaze told him that Deshmukh had asked him to collect rupees 100 crore every month through illegal channels. In another update from Maharashtra, a month after 86 people died due to the sinking of barge P305 and tugboat Varapratha in the Arabian Sea, Mumbai's Yellowgate police station has booked the owners of Varapratha for culpable homicide. The first information report was filed on June 24 against Mumbai-based Glory Ship Management which owns Varapratha and its managing director Rajesh Shahi. The complaint has been filed by Varapratha's second engineer Francis Simon who survived the accident on May 17. He alleged that the tugboat was in a poor condition and sank because Glory Ship Management did not follow the safety standards required by law for ships registered in India. In the complaint, Simon also alleged that Varapratha's captain had informed Glory Ship Management about these problems several times but the owners did not rectify them. According to the FIR, Varapratha did not have a chief engineer when it was deployed at the Mumbai High oil fields in January, which is against the safe manning requirements laid down by the Director General of Shipping. Meanwhile, a high-level inquiry committee instituted by the union government is investigating who was responsible for the vessels being stranded at sea despite advance warnings about cyclone Taute. On May 20, my colleague Tanishka and I spoke to families of those who lost their lives when barge P305 sank in the Arabian Sea. As the families performed the heartbreaking task of identifying the bodies of their relatives, they had one question: Was the disaster a result of the natural calamity or that of negligence by companies that commissioned the offshore work? They wondered if their loved ones could have been saved had the companies heeded to cyclone warnings and brought the barge back to the shore. To know more, read our detailed ground report on newslaundry.com titled This is murder, not a tragedy. Did negligence cause the P305 disaster? The Uttarakhand government yesterday announced the reopening of the Chardham Yatra only for residents of 3 districts, Chamoli, Rudraprayag and Uttarkashi. On June 20, the state government had announced that the pilgrimage will begin from July 1 for residents of the 3 districts with a compulsion of a negative RT-PCR report. However, last week the Uttarakhand State Administration decided to open the yatra for the residents of other districts as well from July 11. The Uttarakhand High Court on Wednesday criticized the state government for holding the pilgrimage from July 1. The court cited the COVID-19 crisis and fear of an upcoming third wave of the pandemic. The court also cited the Kumbh Mela held in April and said that a large gathering of tens of thousands was clear-cut proof of the failure of the civil administration. It added and I quote, once the devotees start gathering in large numbers, Invariably the first victim is the standard operating procedure itself the second victims are the people at large unquote 
former United States police officer Derek Chauvin, who was found guilty of the murder of African-American male George Floyd in May 2020, was sentenced to prison for 22 and a half years yesterday. This excludes the term that he has already served in the prison. Chauvin was found guilty of second-degree murder, third-degree murder and manslaughter. According to the law in Minnesota, Chauvin will have to serve 15 years of his term in prison before being eligible for supervised release. According to CNN, Chauvin's sentencing goes beyond the usual Minnesota sentencing range of 10 years and 8 months. However, Judge Peter Cahill, who heard Floyd's case, said that the term was not passed with emotion or public opinion, but with an intent to acknowledge the pain of families, especially that of Floyd's. The sentencing is said to be a rare case as data from the Police Integrity Research Group showed that in 16 years, only nine officials of the US law enforcement had been sentenced to prison after being convicted of murder on duty. China on Friday rejected United States President Joe Biden's remarks on the closure of Hong Kong's pro-democracy newspaper Apple Daily. Biden had said that the newspaper's closure was a sad day for media freedom in Hong Kong and around the world. He added that Beijing is denying basic liberties and is assaulting Hong Kong's autonomy and democratic institutions and processes, inconsistent with its international obligations. The US president also urged China to stop targeting independent press and to release detained journalists and media executives. However, Chinese Foreign Ministry spokesperson Zhao Lijian dismissed Biden's comments and reverted that the US leader's position is factually baseless. Five editors and executives of the Apple Daily were arrested under a new national security law earlier this week, after which the pro-democracy newspaper published its last edition on Thursday. The police cited over 30 articles published by the newspaper as evidence of a conspiracy to encourage foreign nations to impose sanctions on Hong Kong and China. That's all the news we have for you today. Hold on in these distressing times. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.